Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, aka Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. You'll never guess what I have to do today. Did you guess shoveling? Just a little snow fell overnight. Seriously, it's a dusting, uh, but enough that I don't want to drive over it and leave icy spots instead. Unlike last week's snow, it should take um, only, you know, about 15 minutes to clear today. And yes, I know that you're listening to this in March. Um, that is no guarantee that the snow I'm writing about in February hasn't melted yet. Consider this a running gag for those of you who are my faithful listeners. <laughs> um, or something you can laugh about if you're like me and are about seven months behind in listening to your podcasts. Although um, that's changed since I wrote this um, because now I, I just subscribed to something new and now I'm like, three years behind again. Anyway, um, whenever you get around to hearing this, I am glad that you're here. I'm really excited about today's play. It is a fun one in its own right, and I finally get to use my beloved Dina Berg Douglas Parker translation again. Ancient comedy really is best understood with a modern translation, and I love this book. And the old translation I've been using for for most of Plautus is perfectly fine. Um, you get the plot, but it's it's just not as funny as as something modern. Um, anyway, today we have Plautus's Menechmi, which will start to sound very familiar if you are a Shakespeare fan. Um, It is the famous twin comedy from Plautus, and we know how Shakespeare loved mixing up twins in his comedies. Um, Yes, I will come back to this in the analysis section because that relationship tends to color how the source material of Plautus is perceived. I am working from Douglas Parker's translation, which he calls Double Bind. Um, I'll give you the Latin names and Parker's translated names, and I'll probably wind up using Parker's names as I write the summary because they're in English and are easier for me to pronounce. My Latin just isn't that great, as you already know. The play revolves around twins who happen to have the same name, which is explained in the play, so I'll leave that explanation for them. They are Menechmus A and Menechmus B, the Menechmi of the title. Parker calls them Clueless Maximus 1 and 2, or just Clueless 1 and Clueless 2. Um, and even then, <laughs> it's easy to get them confused. There is one point in the script where they accidentally attribute the wrong number to the character on stage. Um, and you only know this because it says, like, Clueless 1, Clueless 1, and then suddenly there's a random Clueless 2 line thrown in in the middle of the scene. It's, it is not. It is... It is all the same character. Um, And I could have that backwards. It could have been uh, Clueless 2 scene that there's a random one thrown in. Anyway, Clueless 1 is married. His wife has no name in the the original. She's just the Matrona. Um, So Parker gives her a name. He calls her Dovey because that's a good match to the name. He gives the friendly prostitute next door, Loveykins, Erotium in the original. So we have Dovey, the wife, and Loveykins, the prostitute. 
Dovey's father is also unnamed in the original. He's just the Senex, the old man. So Parker calls him Antiquities. Um, on the lower class side of things, we have Paniculus, Clueless One's parasite, called Diddly by Parker, and Messenio, Clueless Two's clever slave, called Smug by Parker. Um, we, of course, have a cook called uh, Cylindrus or Spatula, and a couple of maids who may or may not have been named in the original and are called Skivvy and Tidy by Parker. Um, the final character is Dr. Kleister, who is just called the Doctor or Medicus in the original. And yes, obviously Parker has fun filling in names where none previously existed. Um, and I love how he keeps the spirit of the original and how originally most of these names were some sort of pun or joke um, to describe the character. Or again, they were just the name of the stock character who appears on stage. Anyway, the play is set in Epidomnus, not Athens. Um, we have Lovikin's house on one side and Clueless One's house on the other with an alley in the center. Uh, there's a shrine to Apollo on one side of the stage and a shrine to Bacchus on the other side. Um, one side of the stage exits into town and the other side exits to the port or the harbor. Um, and I'm sure it will come as no surprise. I don't have much background information to provide um, on when this play was written because it is undated. So uh, we'll leave the background here and take a short break before diving into the plot. As the play opens, the first person to enter is the prologue. He does, as his name implies, and delivers the prologue, which includes numerous digressions that amount to nothing. Um, but he does provide the important backstory as well. The play does not take place in Athens. No, it takes place in Epidomnus. You see, once upon a time in Syracuse, a businessman became the father to identical twin sons. Their own mother couldn't tell them apart. Now, when the boys were seven years old, the father went on a business trip and took one of the boys with him. All was smooth sailing until they landed in Tarentum. There was some sort of festival going on, and father and son got separated. The boy was picked up by a different businessman, one from Epidomnus, and taken home as his own. The father died of a broken heart a few days later. When news of the abduction and death reached Syracuse, the twins' grandfather changed the other twins' name to be the same as the kidnapped twins' name, which just so happened to be the grandfather's name, too. So now, both twins have the same name. Eventually, the man from Epidomnus died, leaving his fortune to his adopted-slash-kidnapped son. Now, today, here in Epidomnus, the other twin, the one from Syracuse, has arrived after searching all over the Greek world for his long-lost brother. Again, this speech is full of extraneous details and random digressions, and eventually the prologue is somehow removed from the stage. Diddley, the parasite, enters. He introduces himself and gives your typical speech about the hardships of being a parasite. He is, as is also typical, looking for his next meal and hopes to get it from Clueless One, who enters. Clueless One sings a song about how much he can't stand his wife. Underneath his tunic, he is wearing a dress that he's stolen from his wife, and he tells the audience how he plans to give it to his mistress, the friendly prostitute next door. He eventually realizes that he's not alone on stage, and he tells Diddley all about how he has this dress for his mistress. Diddley doesn't really care, as long as it means he gets something to eat out of the whole affair. 
Loveykins, our friendly prostitute next door, enters. After some flirting and negotiations, plans are made for dinner, and Clue the Swan gives her the dress. But before they can go inside and eat, Clue the Swan and Diddley have business at the forum, so they exit. Loveykins calls for Spatula, the cook, who enters. They discuss the plans for the meal, and Spatula exits to the forum to go grocery shopping. Loveykins exits back into her house. Clue the Stew and Smug enter from the harbor, along with some attendants. Clueless 2 explains how he's looking for his long-lost twin brother, or confirmation that his brother is dead. They have a lengthy discussion about who should be responsible for their money um, that, for the moment, concludes with Clueless 2 keeping it. Spatula enters. He is surprised that Clueless is back already. Clueless 2, of course, has no clue what Spatula is talking about. Spatula asks about his parasite, and Clueless 2 has no parasite. He doesn't know about the lunch or his mistress or anything that Spatula mentions. Eventually, Spatula says that he'll tell Lovykins that Clueless is back and takes his groceries inside. Clueless and Smug discuss the pros and cons of going inside for lunch. Clueless doesn't see the harm. Lovykins enters. She doesn't see the men who are on stage and sings a happy cleaning song. She comments about how Spatula told her that Clueless was there, eventually notices him, and invites him inside. Clueless, too, is of course surprised by just how friendly Lovykins is, since this is the first time he's ever met her. Smug counsels him to just go to the hotel, but Clueless thinks, uh, Clueless, too, thinks that the free lunch sounds better. He gives the money to Smug and instructs him to go and secure their hotel room. Lovykins and Clueless, too, exit into her her house, and Smug and the attendants exit back towards the harbor. Diddley enters. He grumbles about the goings-on at the forum and how he and Clueless One got separated. Hopefully, they'll meet back up at Lovykins' house. Clueless Two enters. He's a little drunk and is wearing a garland on his head. He doesn't see Diddley at first and tells the audience how Lovykins has given him this dress that she claims he gave her. She wants him to take it to the tailor for some alterations. Diddley confronts him and berates him for having lunch without him. Clueless, too, of course, has no clue who Diddley is. Diddley is so furious that he decides to tell his master's wife, and he exits into Clueless One's house. Skivvy, Lovykins' maid, enters. She gives Clueless Two a bracelet that is another gift stolen from Clueless One's wife to give to Lovykins. She wants Clueless to take it to the jeweler to be reset. Clueless Two, of course, has no memory of this, but he takes the bracelet and agrees to the errand. Skivvy exits back into the house. Clueless 2 tells the audience that he plans to just sell both items and pocket the money, and he exits toward the harbor. Dovey and Diddley enter from Clueless 1's house. Dovey bemoans her lot at being married to a man has taken up, who has taken up with the prostitute next door, like she wouldn't have noticed, and uh, he keeps taking her things to give to his mistress, like she wouldn't notice. And they hide in the alley to ambush Clueless when he returns. Clueless One enters singing about all of the problems with the legal system before singing about his gifts for his mistress, which is proof enough for Dovey. She and Diddley come out of the alley and confront Clueless. He does his best to pacify his wife, hoping to get some help from his parasite. Diddley is furious that Clueless One refuses to acknowledge anything that happened in their last encounter, which you'll recall was really with Clueless Two, and he ultimately storms off with a pronouncement that he won't be back, which turns out to be true, um, probably because he's playing someone else for the rest of the show. Dovey demands that her stolen goods be returned before she storms off into Clueless One's house. 
Clueless One doesn't know what's going on and decides that he'll go find Solace with Lovykins, who conveniently enters. He asks her to give back the dress and promises to buy her a better one. They, no surprise, get into an argument because as far as she knows, she's already given it to him to take to the tailor. She storms back into her house. Clueless One has now lost both his home and his haven. He exits to the forum to see if any of his friends there can help. Clueless Two enters. He still has the dress and the bracelet, and he's trying to find Smug. Duddy enters. She's thrilled to see that her husband has returned with her dress. Clueless Two, having no clue who Dovey is, refuses to give it to her. They argue, and Dovey decides that the only thing to do is to get her father to come and stand up for her. She sends her maid to fetch him. After a bit more confusion, Antiquities enters. Dovey tells him that she wants a divorce because her husband is having an affair. Antiquities doesn't think that's a very good reason. But then he meets Clueless Two, who, of course, he thinks is his son-in-law, Clueless One. There is another comic scene of much confusion. Clueless Two decides that the only way to get them to leave him alone is to pretend to be crazy, which is where the shrines to Bacchus and Apollo come into play. Um, It is a long scene. It is very funny. Dovey eventually runs into her house to hide, and Antiquities exits to fetch a doctor. Clueless Two takes the opportunity to escape, and he exits back to the harbor. Antiquities and Dr. Kleister enter. The doctor explains his methods for diagnosing madness. Clueless One enters from the forum. He is talking to himself about the day that he's had. Antiquities and Dr. Kleister confront him. After yet another scene of confusion, Dr. Kleister determines that Clueless One is indeed insane and has him tied up to be carried off to the doctor's house for treatment. Before they are able to exit, Smug enters. He sings about the different sorts of slaves that exist in the world and how important it has it is to have a good one like him. Smug looks around for Clueless Two. Instead, of course, he finds Clueless One. Smug rescues the man who he thinks is his master and then asks for his freedom as a reward. Clueless One is happy to oblige since he doesn't know who Smug is in the first place. Smug then exits to fetch the money from the hotel. Clueless One tries to decide what to do next and exits, uninvited, into Lovykin's house. Clueless Two and Smug enter. They are in the middle of an argument that must have started when they ran into each other offstage about everything that just happened between Clueless One and Smug. Clueless One enters. Neither twin notices his brother. Smug, on the other hand, does and realizes the cause of the confusion. He asks them about their parentage and history and gets them to actually look at each other. The brothers are happily reunited. Clueless Two asks Clueless One to return to Syracuse with him, and Clueless One is thrilled to accept the invitation. Smug is freed for real, and everyone happily exits into Clueless One's house as the play ends. Okay, before we get to the fun, I'll start with the serious. And this is um, honestly just because I found an interesting analysis that focuses on alienation and how despite his adoption by an Epidomnian merchant, the kidnapped twin is still an outsider to Epidomnus. Um, And it's an interesting take on the play. Now, sure, it's very funny because twins getting mixed up usually is, but the underlying story is... Um, is one of the Syracusan brother rescuing the Epidomnian brother and helping him return to a home where he is accepted and loved. Um, 
It's not the most fun of analyses, but it is interesting, and I would be happy to discuss it more with you over on the blog, trymbeerclio.school.blog, in case you don't already have it bookmarked. Um, the other big theme that runs through is madness, um, because clearly the only explanation anyone can come up with for the confusion is that everyone else on stage is nuts. Um, and we see this reach its logical conclusion when Clueless 2 feigns madness to scare off his brother's wife and father-in-law, and Clueless 1 gets, you know, tied up to be carried off to the doctor's house for treatment, um, which, I mean, is is funny in context, but if you step back and think of it, none of this really is that funny. But I, I think a lot of the best comedy really does kind of work that way that it's not really funny but it is hilarious at the same time anyway um so those are kind of the two serious things themes that we can look at um but now on to the fun sort of are you a Shakespeare fan um if not then you have probably approached this play from an ideal setting but if you are then you're probably thinking yeah this is the comedy of errors right but where's the other set of twins and you're right. This is what Shakespeare turned into comedy of errors. Um, and his big improvement, um, if we want to use that word, having the slave character also be twins. Um, so instead of having an unrelated slave and parasite, Shakespeare gives us identical twin slaves. But this is um, somewhat to the detriment of our reading the source material because it makes it seem like Shakespeare perfected the flaws in what is a perfectly good play. Um, and this is a very funny play. It doesn't need the second set of twins to be uh, to be funny. Um, it, that it, it's not necessary. And if Shakespeare hadn't expanded on it and added that second set of twins, I'm not sure anyone would think there is anything missing from Plautus's original. Um, but you cannot deny the influence this play has had. I mean, how many stories rely on twins getting separated and mixed up? Shakespeare alone uses the trope in multiple of, of his comedies, whether or not it is um, strictly identical twins like, you know, we see in Comedy of Errors, or if it's a brother and sister who looks so much alike that people can't tell them apart, like we see in Twelfth Night. Um, and, I mean, even the the scene where um, Clueless 2 faints madness is reminiscent of Petruchio um, in the wedding scene in Taming of the Shrew. Uh, so you you can see how, how this play and things in it have influenced later works um I mean and even again just the twin thing parent trap anyone I mean there there are so many so many stories that whether or not they draw directly from Plautus are influenced by Menachemy by this ancient play um but we really we really need to try, those of us who love Shakespeare, to separate comedy of errors from Menachemy because the original is good, even though it has been overshadowed by um, its child. So what do you think of Menachemy? What What's your favorite twin mix-up play and or movie? Pop over to the blog and share your thoughts. It's at triumvirclio.school.blog. 
URL and maybe a link are in the show notes. Find me on Patreon as Triumvir Clio, and that URL is also in the show notes. On Wednesday, we will wrap up the Greek Epics course. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.